0: so freely. We can accept. Lord Jesus, we thank you with grateful hearts. Amen. team is exiting i just want to remind you of just an incredible opportunity we we thought a lot this is just our second sunday in this new facility the remodeled worship center and the lobby and the brand new children's building and we thought a lot about how to dedicate this and and what we wanted to do to to kind of make this uh, special and we talked about ribbon cuttings and celebrations we didn't really want to do any of that we instead wanted to dedicate this building and this new worship center with the word of god and so I talked about this last Sunday, but we have basically set up an opportunity for you Beginning this coming Wednesday night We want to read from Genesis 1 all the way through the end of the book of Revelation From this pulpit out loud And we need you to help us do it And so there's sign-ups We had a lot of people that signed up last week You can go to our connect area as soon as you leave this morning Just right to the right side of the lobby here There'll be people there that can help you We'd love for families to sign up for an hour each where you show up at the church and beginning next Wednesday night, continuously until the following Sunday morning when we start our next service, we're going to read all the way through the Bible. I want you to be part of that. So you can do it as a family. You can do it as individuals. You can sign up for any hour. That's day or night. That means 2 a.m. Thursday, somebody's got to be reading. 5 a.m. Friday, 6 p.m. Saturday, all the way until Sunday morning. Many of the slots are already filled. We'd love for you to be part of that. You can sign up today. We're going to invite you as people are reading. You can come and listen to them read. If you want to, the sanctuary will be open at those times. You can come and pray at the same time. We just wanted to dedicate this building, not with a ribbon cutting or a ceremony, but with God's word. We just wanted to bathe this place in God's word and ask him to bless us. We'd love for you to be part of that. If you're interested, walk out this morning on your way out, sign up at our connection desk, okay? Let me pray for us this morning. Father, we thank you for salvation in Jesus Christ. We thank you for the hope that the resurrection brings. We thank you for your word, for the clear eyewitness testimonies, Father, that we can read in scripture about who Christ is, about what Christ accomplished, about his death, burial, and resurrection. Father, I pray as we study this morning, you would speak clearly to us through your word. Just challenge us, encourage us, Father, through the power of the Spirit, as we pray every Sunday morning, may we be transformed, changed, Lord, more and more into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray, amen. Take your Bibles this morning, open to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. I just, again, want to welcome you. So glad you're with us this morning. So glad you've chosen to come and worship, and I just want to kind of tell you before we jump into this this morning, I believe God's got a word for you. If you've come this morning just because it's Easter and you were invited and you you didn't really think anything was going to happen, you figured you'd sit here for a little while and then leave, I just want to encourage you just for a moment, you're kind of a captive audience for the next little while anyway, just spend a couple of seconds in your heart just praying, Lord, maybe I'm not here for the right reasons, but Lord, if you've got a word for me, I'd like to hear it. I'd like to hear it fresh and new this morning. Lord, if, if you got a word for me, I'd like you to challenge me with what the Bible says. And I pray God speaks to you in very powerful and real ways this morning. I thought a lot about what to preach this morning. There, are the eyewitness accounts and the Gospels. Paul talks a lot about the resurrection. But I, I kind of prayed through and thought through, and the Lord led me to 1 Peter. And, and I like this text for one main reason. The main reason is that Peter, of course, is an eyewitness account as well. So all the things that Jesus did, the miracles, walking on water, all the incredible things that happened, Peter was an eyewitness account to that. But Peter now, from his perspective of witnessing Christ and understanding Christ, is going to write about, in First Peter chapter 1, the resurrection, and he's going to help us understand the significance of the resurrection for us now. Because it's very easy for us as believers living in the context of kind of Western America and the world we live in and all the things that are going on, to kind of think that the Bible is old school, antiquated, meant something in the first century but doesn't mean anything. Now, I want to say to you, God's Word is still true, it's still active and living, and it still resonates in your heart and is meaningful for you even today. And God has a message here I want you to hear. So I want you to see the significance of the resurrection Through the eyes of Peter, the chief apostle and eyewitness to all that Jesus did. We're going to look at just a few verses here. First Peter chapter one, beginning in verse three. We have it on the screen as well if you'd like to follow along with us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance. That is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith... More precious than gold that perishes, though it's been tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Here's the first thing I want you to see very simply this morning, truth number one. The resurrection of Jesus brings a living hope. The resurrection of Jesus brings a living hope. I want you to see what Peter says in verse 3, because verse 3 is really kind of foundational to what he's going to write. It's foundational to our understanding of the resurrection. It's foundational to our understanding of the significance for us. Here's what Peter says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Like Praise his name. Praise his name according to his great mercy. He's calls us to be born again, right? That's the idea of salvation, to a, what's the next word there? Living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter says, listen, because of the resurrection, we find salvation in Christ, and through Christ we find a living hope. Now, I don't want to miss the opportunity on Easter to, to kind of talk through the ideas that kind of swirl around about Easter because there are a lot of theories, there are a lot of opinions about what actually happened at Resurrection Sunday morning. My family and I, Friday night, watched the movie Risen. And if you've not seen the movie Risen, it's worth your while to rent it. I think you can get it on Amazon, most of these streaming places. And the the story of Risen is very interesting because it's from the perspective of a Roman guard. This is a Roman guard who was charged with guarding the tomb. His soldiers under him guarded the tomb. And then when Jesus' body disappeared, it was his charge to find the body. So the story is following this Roman soldier as he's trying to find, he believes, the corpse of Jesus. And when he finds him alive, his entire perspective changes. It's an interesting idea because in that movie, the Jewish leaders and even some of the Roman soldiers that were paid off continue to tell the story that some people say today, Jesus' body was stolen. So I want to be very clear this morning on Resurrection Sunday. I want to be very clear, just in case there's confusion or you've heard different ideas, Jesus' body wasn't stolen, Jesus wasn't sleeping, he wasn't swooning, he wasn't unconscious. We believe the Bible teaches that Jesus was 100% dead, and now he's 100% alive. You understand that? And the way you kind of answer the question of resurrection and the way you understand what happens really shapes the outlook of who you are now and who you will be eternally. And Peter says to us, listen, we need to understand this resurrection. We need to understand what happened when Jesus rose from the dead. There there are all sorts of historical accounts. I've got a degree in history and taught history for many years and love history. There are all sorts of historical, extra-biblical accounts the Romans wrote at length about Christians And about Jesus and about their claim that he rose from the dead. We've got eyewitness accounts in the Gospels. We've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We've got Peter. We've got Paul. We've got all these people that had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus, saw him, lived with him, oftentimes walked with him, all pointing to the resurrection. But one of the things we have to understand of all the evidence we could produce, and there's a lot of it, by the way, if you're interested in this and want to talk more detail, I'd be happy to take you to lunch and kind of walk you through the details and what I believe is the evidence that Christ really did come back from the dead. But of all the evidence we could produce, of all the Roman writings we could read, of all the first-hand accounts, probably the greatest example we could use in the life of another person as we share the resurrection with them is what Christ has done for us. You may refute a lot of things, but you cannot refute what Jesus has done in my life. You can't refute what he's done in the life of my family. And so Peter says, listen, listen, this resurrection is real. It happened. And because of it, we've been given this hope in Christ. But I want you to look at verse 3 again because there's a a word that Peter uses here that kind of clarifies the hope we're talking about. According to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again to a living hope. You see that? Not a dead hope. Not a sleepy hope, and I'm going to step on your toes right here, not an apathetic hope. Right, there, there are far too many believers that are apathetic in their faith. Like we come to church, we kind of do the thing, we show up on Easter maybe, or there are a few other times of the year we come, or maybe we come every Sunday, doesn't matter but we're kind of apathetic in our heart. We heard it, and we probably believe it, but we're not really doing anything about it. We're not really living out our faith in front of the world. Peter says, listen, it's not an apathetic hope or a sleepy hope or a dreary hope. It's a what? Living hope. There's this sense in Scripture that we should be living out our faith because of the hope Christ has given us through resurrection. Now that Greek word there, living, has this idea of, of spring and, and trees and plants and flowers blooming. Right? It's the idea with believers that Jesus will take a person that's kind of dead in their sins or dreary or, or ugly or there's all sorts of baggage. And in that ugliness and in that sin, Christ will heal and give us fresh eyes and a fresh outlook and an excitement about life through the resurrection, through His salvation. And so many of you, and we've had three services this morning, lots of people have come in these doors. Of all the people that come through these doors, I know there are people that come with baggage. I know there are people that come with difficulties and struggles. And maybe you're right in the middle of a massive storm. Maybe people know about it, maybe they don't. Maybe you've just gotten over something or maybe there's something on the horizon. I want you to understand that in Christ there is life and there is hope. You need to hear that. Because I don't want you to leave this place not believing that there's hope in Christ because there is. You know, I I did some reading this week about the idea of hope because hope is a very powerful thing. Even outside of Christian circles and and even outside of the idea of the hope of the resurrection, kind of the world, the the secular world gets the importance of hope. I read an article in Psychology Today. I want you to listen to what they said. Very interesting article. And it says, here's kind of the crux of the article. As long as a patient, individual or victim has hope, they can recover from anything and everything. Isn't that interesting? Even the, the secular world, even the non-Christian world understands the idea of hope. I, I read a lot about poverty in the world because the places we go on missions oftentimes are the very difficult places in the world. And we serve in places where people live in abject poverty. And when I say abject poverty, I mean they, they live off of literally two three, maybe four American dollars a day. Now, I didn't misstate that. Let me say it again. They live on two or three or four dollars a day. That's what they make. Now, you can imagine trying to live on that, and it forces you into this place of abject poverty. And there's been a lot of studies and a lot of data produced to try to figure out what can we do about alleviating poverty from the world. And the American answer is basically let's just give them cash. You should go read about the billions and billions of dollars that have flown to Africa over the last several decades and how very little effect it's actually had on people living in poverty. What they're beginning to realize is it's not necessarily about money, it's about something else. It's fascinating to me. So they did this study, and I'm going to quote from it. This was in the New York Times. So that a vast randomized trial involving 21,000 people in six countries suggests that a particular package, an aid package, gives a very poor family a significant boost that continues even after the program ends. Here's what they give these families. They give them a cow or a few goats or even some bees. Now here's the question. How can a cow have such an impact on a family? Here's what the article says. Hope. Listen, whether in America or India, families that are stressed and impoverished, trapped in cycles of poverty, can feel a hopelessness that becomes self-fulfilling. Watch this. Give them a reason to hope that they can achieve a better life, and that too can be self-fulfilling. Isn't that amazing? Like the secular world realizes, listen, if we can figure out a way to give people hope, it drastically changes their outlook. It drastically changes the circumstances of their lives. It's fascinating to me how the secular world sometimes has to catch up with the Christian world because we've known this for 2,000 years. But see, we've got a different hope than they do, don't we? We don't have a hope in the things of this world. We don't have a hope in what we can produce. We instead have a hope in Christ. Now, Peter's going to talk about this. Peter's going to help us understand this. He's going to take it a step farther. Let's look at verse 3 again. I want you to see what he does here. He says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, He's calls us to be born again to a living hope through the res- resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Watch this, verse 4. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. We, We see in the writings of Peter that the resurrection offers hope, first of all. But the second thing we notice is that the resurrection of Jesus brings an eternal inheritance. See, see here, here's what Peter begins to teach, and we're going to walk through this together. Peter begins to teach, listen, the hope we have is not in the things of this world. The hope we have is in Christ, in his salvation, in his resurrection, and in the things of heaven. Now, Peter's writing to a first century audience, right? Every time we study scripture and read scripture, we ought to take it in kind of a historical context. We ought to understand kind of who's Peter's writing to and what those people would have understood. And in a first century context, in a Jewish context, when people heard the idea of inheritance, they would have immediately thought of the inheritance the Lord gave them in the promised land of the Old Testament. In fact, time and time again, God says to the people of Israel throughout the Old Testament, your inheritance is the land. There's a land flowing with milk and honey, right? And the people of Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years after they came out of Egypt until God allowed them into the promised land, into their inheritance. But Peter wants him to understand, listen, it didn't just end with the land. The inheritance that the Lord gives us is in the land and it's in in the promise, but there's so much more than that because Peter says, listen, there is now an eternal promise that is, in his words, imperishable, undefiled, unfading. Here's what we understand about the resurrection of Christ and the salvation, salvation that he offers us. It doesn't fade. It doesn't get old. It doesn't wear out. If you trust Christ as your Lord and Savior, that is an eternal decision. Now, many of you probably watched this idea really in, in sadness and in horror at the Cathedral of Notre Dame burning these last few days. And I love history. I enjoy reading history. And to see a building that's been in constant use for eight to 900 years is incredible. Like, we don't have that here. Like, you can't walk to a building in the United States that's been in use for 800 years. And so to lose that history is a sad thing. But you understand, intellectually, as you've seen this before, you understand that the things of this world, the buildings and the kingdoms and the kings, those things fade away. I had the opportunity several years ago to go to Athens, Greece, and and to walk up on the Acropolis. And the Acropolis is a raised area of the city. The Parthenon is located there. It's a beautiful location geographically. You can see for many, many miles out into the city. And for many miles in the city, you can see the Acropolis. And it was a place of kind of civilization and teaching and learning and religion. Paul spoke there in the book of Acts. And as incredible as it was, as a hub of as it was of, of, of Culture and of understanding and of religion and of teaching. As beautiful as it was, today it stands in ruins. It's gone. Like you see buildings and bricks, but there's nothing up there anymore but museums. All the great kingdoms of the world, all the great buildings of the world, all the great cities, all the great civilizations, none of them will last forever. And Peter says: listen, if we're gonna have a real hope in Christ we've got to understand that that hope is in salvation and it's eternal. He says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. He warns his followers, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Right, the resurrection brings us hope. The resurrection brings us an eternal inheritance. And then look in verse 6. He says, in this, like in this salvation, in this hope, rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. I think we all kind of fit right there in verse 6, don't we? We've all struggled with various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Here's the third truth we see this morning. The resurrection of Jesus brings great joy. Now here's the struggle for believers, and I hope I'm not talking to you. (laughs) But we've all met believers that are not exactly filled with joy, haven't we? You ever met the person that comes into church and you ask them how they're doing? I'm fine, how are you? You see them around town, they're frowning. You catch them in a bad moment at the grocery store, they're saying or doing things they shouldn't do. And by the way, we all have been there. If you're thinking, I don't do those kind of things, you're wrong. I do the same sorts of things. But it reminds me when I see these passages of Scripture, right? Part of what studying God's Word ought to do is remind us of truth, challenge us in who we are. Help us to think through how we ought to be changing. When I read these passages of Scripture and I see the argument that Peter makes and I say, listen, because of the resurrection, because of the salvation, because of the hope, because of the eternal inheritance of Christ, we should find joy in the things of the world. Even, Peter says, in the midst of great struggles. Even in the midst of great trials. Charles Spurgeon, who's a famous pastor in London, Said this, he asked the question Can a Christian greatly rejoice, greatly rejoice when he's in heaviness, right? When he's in struggles and trials. Here's the answer Yes, Spurgeon said, most assuredly he can. Mariners, these are people that work on the sea, mariners tell us that there are some parts of the sea where there's a strong current upon the surface going one way, but that down in the depths there's a strong current running the other way. Two seas do not meet and interfere with one another. But one stream of water on the surface is running in one direction, another below in an opposite direction. Now the Christian is like that. Listen, on the surface there's a stream of heaviness rolling with dark waves, but down in the depths there's a strong undercurrent of great rejoicing that is always flowing there. Our hope and our joy and our peace all come from Christ, all come from the hope of the resurrection all come from what Jesus accomplished all those centuries ago. Here's what the tomb means for us. As we think about an empty tomb and we think about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what it ultimately means for us is that we are forgiven. That Jesus was who he says he was, that he did what he said he was going to do, that he truly is Messiah, that he's accomplished for us salvation and forgiveness through his death, burial, resurrection. That's what Peter says. I want to end with this this morning. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. He says, though you've not seen Him, you love Him. That's speaking to us. Though you do not see Him, though now you do not see Him, you believe Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You know, I don't don't ever want to miss an opportunity, especially on Easter Sunday morning, to just clearly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you've never accepted repentance of Jesus Christ... If you've never turned from your sins and experienced this true hope and this true joy, I'd love for you to do that this morning. Here's what the Bible teaches in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Our praise team, Stacy, y'all come on up if you would. Our praise team is going to come up here and, and, and... Prepare to lead us in a time of invitation. I want you to stay with me just for a minute, though, okay? Stay with me just for a second here. We, we, we have throughout our building phrases, and, and we've, we've been very strategic in the things we've put up, and I would encourage you to go around and read them. But one of the things you'll notice in several different places is the phrase, experience new life. It's on this wall behind us. It's on the sign as you come in the main drive. When I baptize, I speak of that, raised to experience new life. We need to understand something, though. As beautiful as this building is and the lobby and as functional as it is, you can only experience new life through Jesus Christ. You can only experience true joy through Jesus Christ. You can only find that deep, abiding hope and that idea of an eternal inheritance with Christ through Jesus. And so I just want to challenge you and encourage you this morning. Maybe you've grown up in church. Maybe you've never been to a church before in your life. I just want to encourage you and challenge you. As we think about this invitation, as we think about all Christ did in resurrection and salvation, if you've never prayed to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there's a lot of people here this morning. It can be very uncomfortable walking through aisles, but I don't want you to miss the opportunity to come down front Speak to me this morning. Let me help you understand salvation. Pray with you to receive Christ. If he's calling you to do that, let this be the morning and the time that you accept him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the beauty of the resurrection, Father. We thank you for what it means and the hope that it gives us. Lord, I pray for all these precious people right now that that hear my voice. I pray for their salvation, Father. If there's someone in this room that's never accepted, Open their eyes to your truth, Father. Break through the, the hardened hearts, Father. Break through the stubborn minds and let them just sense your presence and your power. Let them repent of their sins and accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. We'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory for everything that you do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can stand. The altar is open. You can come and pray. Speak to me. You respond as we sing together this morning. He made Hold